Upon further review. Upon further review. Welcome to Upon Further Review, your weekly uptake of hot topics across the National Hockey League. Powered by your hosts, Angelo Ricci and Stefan Bianchi. Well, we're having a good episode, another episode rather, at a really good time because there's been some really big news. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that it's big news for us because the Kraken finally lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew there was going to be some side of a twist. If I had a, uh, a soundboard, I would have inserted the, the cheering emojis right we there. We do not love the Kraken <laughs> on this show. No, thank God that's over. I'm so tired of that bull. But it, it didn't come without a cost because the Oilers also lost and they've... Where's the cost there? Kind of been my... Where's the cost there? Well, like, I, I kind of just hopped on that bandwagon this playoffs, but I, I guess I really don't care that they lost. Okay. It's actually probably a good thing for us in Toronto that the Oilers lost to take some of the heat away from the Leafs, but then the Leafs, they come back and they just applied more heat to themselves because they can't seem to get anything right over the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows that Dubis was kind of fired in this kind of really strange sequence of events. Should I quickly recap it in case people didn't watch the shiny press conference or just to kind of... In case you lived under a rock and yeah. you see that the probably the craziest press conference I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, just to kind of give the context for the next 20 sure. minutes of conversation I'm probably going to have. So, you know, Shani at the, be- at the beginning of the season tells Dubis, okay, you're not coming in with a contract extension. We want to see how things play out. Fair enough. Around the trade deadline, Shani then said, okay, we think you've done a good job and we want to keep you around. Like he let him know at the trade deadline or just after the trade deadline, rather that, that they wanted to keep him as a GM with the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Dubas said, okay, cool, work with my agent, let's get something going. And then after the Tampa series, I'm pretty sure that was organizationally, they were reaffirmed that that was the right plan. They finally won a series, they whatever, showed some heart, good stuff, whatever, let's get get a a contract in in motion. And then Shani and Dubas spoke after the season, after they lost to Florida, talked about the team. I think this was the first time that Dubas brought up those you know, family issues that may have been bubbling under the surface. We don't know what the nature of them were, but it was clear that this season was taxing on him and his family. Fair enough. Um, Shanahan said, okay, cool. Um, don't speak to the media. <laughs> and Duva said, I'm going to speak anyway. So what did he do? <laughs> he went to speak to the media. And then that's when everything seemed to change. I think that, that one, you know, big question Chris Johnston asked, did you actually want to be here anymore? Which is kind of a question you'd think Dubas would be like, yeah, because we're working on a contract extension in the background. But he was kind of wishy-washy, said he has to have a conversation with his family about it. It was a hard a hard season. Um, and then in Shanahan's press conference, that's when he said there was a bit of a seed of doubt planted in his head. And then from there, it kind of just seemed to kind of spiral a little bit where Shanahan was waiting on Dubas to respond to a contract offer that they had presented to him that they seemed to be sort of on the same page about. Didn't hear back for a few days. Dubas then comes back to Shanahan and says, you'll hear from my agent soon kind of thing. And then agent presents Shanahan with an offer that, uh, with a counter offer that has seemingly quite a bit more money. And I think more importantly, some demands or some requests that things change within the organization. Maybe the way that decisions are made, maybe... There's hierarchy issues because it's been well reported now that Shanahan in the past has vetoed Dubas's trades or put his foot down and not let Dubas have the free reign you'd think somebody like him should have. Mm-hmm. And then it seemed like after that counter offer, Shanahan's decision was made that he didn't want to have Dubas around anymore and let him know on Friday. And that's when we found out. And now we're here. And now we're here in my basement, kind of sh- don't don't really know what's going to happen. Well, um, do, do you like it? I'll be honest, in the moment, the way Shani spun that, I was kind of team Shani for like maybe half an hour. Okay. Because the way he went up, he and I think Leafs and Shanahan framed it in a way that made Dubis look kind of like the bad guy. And you can understand why they would do that. Obviously, you want to make the person you're letting go seem like they're not a fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my head, I was like, well... Dubis, you know, seemed to agree. They've been working on a contract for months. He seemed to agree to a framework of a deal. And then he comes back with crazy demands and for asking for a huge pay raise. You know, that's kind of greasy. That, that was the sentiment that 
Shanahan, you know, intentionally or unintentionally put forward. And then I was like, well, yeah, someone's coming in, changing the script at the last minute when they have leverage. And that's kind of greasy. But I think the more I thought about it, the more I think this is a mistake. Yeah, I mean, isn't that a fair negotiation tactic? Isn't that how negotiations work? I mean, presumably, if he thought he was worth another $3 million, I would have done the same thing. And I'll, regardless right. of whether it looks greasy or not, you know, people all the time do things when they have leverage. And whether you think it's greasy or not, he, he's looking out for himself, right? I think I think it was the lack of conversation that, or lack of answer that Dubas got from, sorry, Shanahan got from Dubas for a few days after his press conference. Mm-hmm. And then to come back and say, yeah, I want to be the GM, but under these new conditions, which is, that's negotiation. Negotiation doesn't always have to be pretty. But I think initially in that moment, I was like, okay, yeah, that's kind of greasy. Maybe Shani was in the right. Mm -hmm. But the more I think about it, I don't really care about your greasy negotiation tactics. If they're even greasy, I just want the Leafs to be in the best position possible. And they're not anymore. And I don't think they're in that position anymore. Yeah, this was a really bad move for the organization for like a million times. First of all, when you think about it, um, when you want to hire or change the GM, I think there's two things you look for. Number one is performance. And then number two is what else is out there? Like, is there replaceability? Is there yes. competition? And both of those work against this decision. We talked about this a million times. Like, Dubis can't play for his players every single year. He does the same thing. He goes out at the deadline and fixes holes. When he came here originally, it was we didn't have enough superstar. Goes out and gets Tavares. Then he signs Matthews and Marners to honestly what look now like pretty good deals. They're I don't, fair value, right? If not a little bit undervalued, right? Like Marner, and especially Matthews, Willie, especially Willie as well. And we'll talk about this. And then number three, this year, you know, his back was up against the wall. He was in need of a contract extension. Presumably, was trying to prove himself. What what were we missing? Culture, Stanley Cup, Conn Smythe performance. We got all three of those with Ryan O'Reilly. We added McCabe. We added Chen. The point being. He does his job. He fields mm-hmm. a good team. He can't play for them. He drafts well as well. Then when you look at what else is out there, we'll talk about this soon when we want to say who's going to come in yeah, next. But there, is, there, there isn't a single replacement that is as good as him. At worst, you're right. gonna, at, at best, you are going to be wor- marginally worse. And for right. those reasons, I really don't understand this move. And any Toronto fan will tell you this summer the most important thing is signing the, the best. We'll call him the best Leaf of all time because he is by now. Yeah. And this decision undoubtedly hurts that ability to do that. I I don't think he's not going to come back, but I think you sprinkle a tiny, tiny, tiny seed of doubt onto this whole situation yeah. when there didn't seem to be any before this. Mm-hmm. So even if you increase the odds of him leaving from zero to 1%, that's still something you didn't have to do. Yeah, and I think there already is a non-trivial probability that he goes. This team hasn't been able to win in a while. He's an American player. He likes a big market. There's multiple big American teams out there ready to win with space. Like, I don't think it was zero. And if you're going to move the needle any more than it has to be, like if, if Austin Matthews doesn't sign, Brandon Shanahan's gone in a minute. He should be. Yeah. I, I, But I do think after Matthews' um, postseason presser and everything that we've been reported by like Friedman, Chris Johnson, it, it seemed almost certain that he was going to stay. I agree, but wasn't that all contingent on direction? I heard him talk about he likes the direction of the team, he likes the fit. That starts right. with the general manager. So that, I'm saying prior to this, I it see. seemed like a sure thing. Yeah. But now it's, I don't know what that percentage has changed. No one's talked to Matthews, no reports have come out, but you have to think maybe, maybe, even if it is a touch, it's yeah. like, why would you Why would you put your team in a situation where you can lose one of the biggest superstars in the league? And like you said, the best player to ever play for your organization. A part of me has to think that he was he was spoken to before this deal was made before this firing occurred there's just no I don't way think he was i think shani said he spoke to some players before the press conference and after the decision mm-hmm. but honestly if you're if you're a president you should be confident enough in your decision to not have to consult your players this was probably the wrong decision but shani was probably so confident in it and didn't feel the need to consult other people other players below him in the organization i i think you can call shanahan anything you can call him narcissistic you can call him ignorant you can call him whatever He's not stupid. He knows he needs to sign Austin Matthews. Right. He knew that this hurts the decision. He knew, like you said, Austin probably had a 90 to 95% of coming back. This hurt that. He knew Dubas wasn't a bad GM. There's just no logical reasoning in my mind why he would fire him apart from, you know, passion and feeling like he got wronged, like you said. And if you're going to let your emotions get in the way of not signing back Austin Matthews without talking to him first about this signing, it just it seems like this is an impossible situation. I have to feel like he was spoken to. From all the vibes that I got, it didn't it didn't seem like it, but they could have behind the scenes had a conversation. Mm-hmm. Either way, conversation or not, like what's Matthews going to say? I'm not. He's not going to give. He's, I don't think he's going to give his hand away either, right? 
That's true. You have a conversation with him. That's true. But he, he mentioned multiple times that he liked the direction. And presumably, right. if he was asked that question, he maybe would have said, you know, do what you want. But let's hire a GM that sticks with this, with the current direction of the team. And now we're hearing Brandon Shannon came out and publicly said he's looking for a GM with like, quote unquote, bite. Did you bite hear that? Bite experience. Like, does yeah. that mean like a 65-year-old man who like... I don't know. I, I mean... Shanahan was the one who brought Dubas in and hired him. So I don't think Fair. he's like a, a complete dinosaur. And I don't think he's going to go for like a Brian Burke or a, or Peter Shirelli. Like those are the worst. I mean, Brian Burke is a good guy, but not a good GM, I don't no, think. he's not. Um, Peter Shirelli is like guys like that. I've been, I think it's just fun to bring those names into the fray and cause some angst within mm-hmm. Leafs Nation because people love to, like, you know, make us feel crappy as they should, honestly. Um, I just don't see him hiring somebody like that but i do see him interviewing all of those people like you you can't go wrong with interviewing as many people as possible because even if peter shirley's not smart maybe he has like a nugget of information that you didn't think about that's true and you can just learn you're never gonna hire him but you just like take little pieces of information from everybody maybe it changes the way you approach things later i don't think it's a bad thing to hire to interview as many people as possible that's true that's true but yeah, I guess before, you know, the next logical part of this conversation is who comes in next. But before we yeah. do that, I don't, I don't know. When you just look at this team, in my opinion, it it was anything but a GM problem. Honestly, it was a coaching yeah. problem. And I yeah. thought it was a player's problem, like genuinely. And for them to have made the decision to fire the one thing that, you know, was not a problem. Yeah. And the one thing that was so important to keep this core together. Like, look, all these biased Leaf fans, including myself, when you lose to Florida and the way that you did in that overtime with that goal getting overturned again, you know, it feels reminiscent to, to the Jonathan Tavares, um, Justin Hall. Everyone's going on Twitter saying fire everybody. But you, sure. you take two or three days to think about it and you realize the way this roster was constructed, apart from, you know, having a surefire goalie. This team was built to win. Dubas did his job. And then you look at Sheldon Keefe. Throughout the entire playoffs, we were criticizing him about all of these line changes. Why is Justin Hall yeah. in the lineup? Why are we checking the way that we are? And then we move to the players and go, you know, why is Austin Matthews silent when he's away from the puck? Why is Mitch Marner a liability away from the puck? This was clearly a players or a coach issue. And yeah. for them to not change any of those and to only change yeah. the GM, I... I don't, I don't, it's puzzling to say the least. And I don't know who, it makes me feel like this decision was made out of pride. It might've been. Yeah. I, I do think now Keith is absolutely gone. Like, I don't think he's coming back. Right. So you're getting, you're getting both of those, you know, changing, you're getting changes in both of those areas, but you're right. I, I agree completely that it was not a jam problem. I think if you've been the least fan for more than 10 years, well, maybe not, yeah, you need more than 10 years because Dubas has been here for nine-ish. Wow, it's that long? As a GM and uh, GM. Okay. He's been GM for five. But okay. like the one thing that I think about when I think about Dubas is stability. Yeah. Like every, for decades before Dubas and, well, Lamorello and Dubas, and since, honestly, since Shanahan came in, there was just no stability. The, there was like just miscommunication. Everyone was on different pages. Dubas comes in with Lou and then after Lou, and develops their analytics, develops their sports science, you know, gets them, gets all three levels of the organization, NHL, AHL, ECHL, all on the same page. He's kind of controlling everything, doing a great job. The Leafs have drafted incredibly well. They developed really well. They've played really well on the ice. Like there was a sense of stability and a sense of, you know, you felt comfortable and confident in the management mm-hmm. all the way down. And now you're taking a huge risk by getting rid of that. That's one of the strong points as an organization. Whether you want to talk about on-ice results and losing in the first round, behind the scenes, I think they were one of, if not the most stable organizations in the league. And now you've kind of you've kind of thrown a wrench in that because we've already seen the fallout. Spezza's leaving. Apparently, behind the scenes, a bunch of other people that Dubas brought in are upset about this. And can you, you can't blame them, I don't think. I so agree. who knows what the fallout's going to be in the coming weeks. Shani's got a big mess to clean up here. And if he doesn't, then we're going to see potentially, in the worst case scenario, this generation of Leaf success come to a, a halt immediately and, and, and in short order. Yeah, organizational success. I, yeah. I agree. The only thing they were missing was winning a round. And they finally had done that. Obviously, the way that they lost the second round to that team in that fashion overshadows, you know, quite a frankly, lot of it. the step that they took in the right direction. Yeah. But you're right. Kyle Dubas has been phenomenal the, on all levels of the organization. But the first round, what, what he did this year, trading all of those, making all of those trades, only giving up one first round pick on aggregate, recouping a first from Rasmus Sandin, who, by the way, that first ends up being as high as it possibly could with Boston being a first That's round right. exit. Couldn't he, like, that was lucky, but it is yeah. what it is. When you look into our in, into our AHL system as well, there's a lot of guys who are almost NHL ready. Topi Niemel, Latai Voigt, like those guys are almost ready to go. Mm-hmm. And 
for him to have, he even said it best on that press conference before, like the one on Monday, I think yeah. it was before, you know, all this debacle happened. The organization's in a great spot where you have guys that are in their prime that are ready to go and Matthews, Marner, Nylander, veteran guys who are still, you know, at the tail end of their prime and Ryan O'Reilly. And then you have a new wave of guys like they thought Niemela was going to play this year, Matthew Nyes. There were like three different levels of age groups all ready to compete. This team looked like they were ready to win a cup. I know... You know, everyone will say the fans always think they're ready to win, but like let, let's call a spade a spade. They were ready to do it this year. They would have yeah. would have been ready to do it within the next five years too if Austin Matthews signs a thirteen by five, which I think he would have if Dubis was here. Do I think he still signs? Yeah. Do I think there's a chance he goes now? Yeah. And Shanahan's gonna have to live with that. That that'll be sort of on him. Yeah, absolutely. If they can't find a way to keep him. Yeah. Um, and yet you gave him more leverage now, too. If he wants to ask for a little more money, well, he's definitely in a position to do that now. 100%. Uh, if I was Dubas, I would have I, I would have done the same thing that he did as well. Regardless, you want to call it greasy or not, this this is business. This is money. He comes to Shanahan and says, look, I thought about it again. You made a great point. Look, look what I've done for this organization. Doesn't count against the cap. Pay me what Shanahan's getting paid. I think Shanahan's getting six and a half or something like that. Is he not? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure. Probably. I saw on Twitter, he would, Dubas was asking for what Shanahan was making now. And I'm sure a little bit in Shanahan's mind. That's was kind saying, of, yeah, that's yeah. kind of a gutty move. It just makes me feel like this was passion. And if you're making decisions about the, the most valuable NHL franchise, you know, in the world based off of passion, that's a problem. Yeah. Uh-huh. It did seem like he, and it was well reported that they were having, you know, maybe some differences in the way they viewed things and maybe not getting along as well. Mm-hmm. That's That happens in business, like totally, that's fine. You can work with people who you maybe disagree with and you need to disagree sometimes and to to or to run a healthy organization. Yeah. Um, but now it seems, it does give an air of, it was maybe, petulance maybe not the right word, but emotional may be the right word. Yeah. We're just going to take a brief minute to shut out the sponsor of today's episode, SeatGeek. Looking to enjoy a night out with some friends watching a sports game, concert, comedy show, or music festival? Hit up SeatGeek, an app that helps you find tickets in the cheapest and simplest possible way. By visiting their site, you can see events happening near you, and within one click can instantly get access to tickets at the cheapest possible price. With SeatGeek's price grading system, you can instantly find out whether you're getting a bargain on the tickets you buy. At checkout, be sure to enter code UFRPOD to get $20 off your first purchase. Visit SeatGeek today and revolutionize the way you buy tickets. Now, let's move over. You alluded to it earlier. One of the reasons why this is kind of a a questionable decision is because who the heck is out there to hire? Um, yeah. The score released a quote. Did you read that article that the score released? They gave five attractive um, no. GMs, the five who, best who, candidates. Who are some of those names? Uh, we'll talk about each of these in turn. Trey Living, Pridham, um, Tolski. Mm-hmm. Then they gave the last two. There's no chance. They gave Bergevin. Like, there's no chance oh, that God. happens. Shoot and then, me. I can never, pro- <laughs> never pronounce his name. Chaika. Chaika. John Chaika. Apparently, he's close to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Him him, and Tolski are close to Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah. So that would be interesting. Um I mean, let's start with the big, the big one that seems to be on everyone's tongue is Trey Living. Like, I guess because you know, whatever he's from Calgary, contract is expiring. He has that experience. I don't know if he has that bite. That what does that? What does bite I, even? Mean? I think he just means like willing to be aggressive. Like, I think when I think of a GM that has bite, I think of Brian Burke, who was like willing to trade the sun and the moon to like make things happen. And didn't Dubis show he had bite in this off season and is that this trade deadline? I think he meant bite in like not being afraid to like move a big a big piece or make a decision on my ruffle feathers. I don't think Dubas actually ever did that. Okay. Which to his credit, I wouldn't have either. You have to assemble one of the best cores in the league. Why touch it unless you have to? And it seemed like this season he might've been willing to do it, but whatever. Let's not talk about Dubas anymore. Um, Trey living. Yeah. So I'll let you talk about it, but Shanahan, I'll just preface it with this. Shanahan came out and said he wants a GM with bite. Like you said, with previous GM experience with experience in a Canadian market and experience making a quote-unquote blockbuster superstar trade, presumably because he knows the probability of trading Matthews is non-trivial now. Um, Trey Living checks all those boxes. Do, do you like the, the deal overall? Not the deal, the, the prospect. Um, Please say no. I think Trey Living's reputation took a hit this season yeah. because the Huberto and the Uyghur trade for Kachuk didn't pan out the way a lot of people expected it to. That's sugarcoating it. Um, it is. 
but I think overall he's been a decent GM. Like I don't think he's terrible, but I don't I don't think he's an upgrade either. Um, I think also just the inner workings of Calgary's organization. If you like followed the way that 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 firing happened, is that Daryl Sutter was not his guy. He did not want Daryl Sutter to stick around. The owner said no, we want Daryl Sutter to stick around. Trey Living's like okay, see you later. They also then go on to fire the coach days after Trey Living resigned. So that organization is a mess. Yeah, I think that. Being in that situation and not having, not being able to pick a coach that you thought would go with the trades that you made, is a tough position to be in as a GM when you're getting, you know, superseded by the owner and by you know whoever else is there. So in a, he was in a tough situation. That being said, his draft record is atrocious. Very bad. I, I saw a tweet out there. It's it's I can't remember the actual number, but it's abysmal. He's been terrible drafting. Dubas has been incredible at drafting, and the, the the Leafs and the Flames have had pretty similar, if not the least, having better regular season success over the past few years. So you can't talk about draft position influencing that. If anything, Trey Living has had the opportunity to draft um, better players, and he hasn't. Yep. So I, I don't love that. And you know, when you're a team that wants to be competing, you need you're gonna need to turn your late firsts and your seconds and your thirds into NHL players, and he's not shown a c- capability to do that. So I'd be concerned from in that regard. Um, negative bite, in my opinion. Negative bite. Um, I have a sneaky feeling it's going to be him. I w- I'll become a, a Habs fan. Yeah, I, I do. Just because he maybe doesn't have that bite, but he's experienced. He's one of the only experienced GMs who's readily available. Unless you go scoop somebody from another team, that takes a lot of work to pry them away before the draft. So I don't love that prospect. I think there are worse choices, but I also think there are better choices. Yeah, I unfortunately also think Trey Living is going to be the next guy. Just the way that Shanahan has shaped um, or alluded to how he wants to make this signing, it kind of seems like he's trying to move away from one of these younger, more contemporary GMs, going back to an old school type of GM. And Trey Living checks those boxes, which upsets me. Um, And I'll be be transparent here. My bias is signing a GM that keeps 34 as a Toronto Maple Leaf. And I think that if you go back to one of those old school type of GMs, that undoubtedly hurts hurts that probability. But... Like I said, he he does check the boxes that Shanahan wants. He's experienced mm-hmm. in a Canadian market. He was there for yeah. what nine years? Ten. Ten years. Oh I think my ten. gosh. Yeah, I mean, he he checks all of those boxes. But here here's the problem: in his nine years there, the Flames never got past the second round in nine seasons, hmm. N- not once. And everyone wanted Dubis out for building a better team and not getting past the first round. They finally get past the second round. It wasn't enough. You're telling me now you're going to bring in a guy who has shown a worse ability to draft, a worse ability to field a good team, a worse ability to be a, a GM overall, and he hasn't had any more success. Like, give me a break. And if I want to hear, oh, you know, you need a guy to come in who has um, experience trading superstars, do you want that experience? He got pumbled on that deal. Yeah, he, that he deal, did. That deal was bad when it was signed. And I had to listen for months for all these Calgary fans on TikTok finally coming out of hiding. I don't know if they finally invented Wi-Fi in Calgary because I finally saw all of these TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> finally saw all these TikToks about, oh, you know, Huberto and Uyghur, two aging players are better than Matthew. That deal was bad then. The deal is bad now. Matthew Kachuk is now a heart candidate, back-to-back 100-point player, Selkie candidate, probably going to win the Smythe if they go on to win the Cup. He's willing, him and Bobrovsky are willing a team that has no business being in the playoffs, right? Blah, blah, blah. The deal was atrocious. He could have definitely found a better deal. I thought the deal that St. Louis was going to offer him with Cairo was probably better. You're going to bring this guy in who is a worse overall GM. He's going to trade Austin Matthews for two third-round picks. This organization (laughs) is going to be terrible for years. And then people might finally go back and say, hey, maybe Kyle Dubas wasn't that bad. Maybe it was just the players. How How long until that tweet comes up? Well, I think the the dubious haters will never allow themselves to be on the record saying that they thought he was good just because of the way people are. I think it's it's rare that people are uh, willing to say that they made a mistake in their judgment of a of a GM, especially when it's been this tumultuous for mm-hmm. five years. But I think deep down inside, if this doesn't go well and the Leafs regress and the Leafs can't win rounds and the Leafs lose players that they want to keep, then people will be forced to confront that reality. I think internally. At the very least. Yeah, I, I think Trey Living is probably the worst choice out of all five of them, but I do think he's probably going to get it, and that would be terrible. I do. I, I agree, because the other two names I think that we would be more comfortable with or would be like more interested in seeing are guys like Eric Toski and Brandon Pridham, For who, sure. you know, like like based on what Shani said, don't seem to be options. And someone directly asked him, is Brandon Pridham going to be considered? And he, in like a very roundabout way, said no. Yeah, he did. 
He did say he's going to keep quote unquote options open. Yeah, that's just something that's that just you some, say. That's something you say. Yeah, Shannon said he said something like, you know, I want to be open minded, but I want them to have all of these criteria yes, like, that that he meant none of oxymoron. Yeah. And Eric Tulski is the same. Eric Tulski is if people thought Dubis was analytics driven, Tulski is that and and more. Like he's he is the analytics guy. He's like Harvard Berkeley educated. Like he didn't even get into analytics because he was a hockey fan. Like he just happened to fall into that place because he's a huge data science guy. He's just a smart dude. I love this guy. And and we I mean, you should want smart people to run your organization. Yep. But it doesn't seem like that's the profile that Shani is looking for. No. So, I, yeah, I, I agree. Before we go on to him, is there what, what was the biggest deal Brad Trey Living ever made as general manager of the the, apart from the one he was forced to make with Kachuk, like a deadline deal when they were pushing. Are we going to sit here and say Tyler Toffoli was the biggest acquisition they made? Yeah, well, I think similar to what people were clamoring for Dubas to do, trade the core four, people were clamoring for him to trade one of Goudreau and Monaghan for, for years there, and he never did it. Okay. So, I mean, you're seeing he doesn't have... If he had the quote-unquote bite, he would have traded one of those when the, when the Flames were stagnating in I, the regular season. I feel like this word bite is a bad quality in a GM, I'm going to be honest. It just sounds... Like you're impulsive. Yes, that's the word I was. I don't want anyone to be impulsive. You need to be well thought out, meticulous. Yeah. But um, maybe that was a poor choice of word on on poor choice of words on Shanahan's behalf. Yeah. But either way, I would rather someone who is actually smart and will take the time to go through things and make a good decision rather than someone who's going to make a move for the sake of making it because he thinks the market needs it. I agree. Okay, Eric Tolsky, do you like it? I would like it. I just don't think it's going to happen. And it's also. It is. It would be his first time being a GM, and coming into this mess would be tough on anybody, like let alone someone time. who's never been a GM. Um, so I, I get Chani's want for experience, but I don't think experience should be the be-all end-all either. I, I agree. He has experience. He's been the assistant in Carolina, perennial Eastern Conference final yeah. team for what seems like a very long time. And as I did more and more research, he wasn't just some, you know... Um, Dwight Schrute assistant to the regional manager yeah, that involved. got no pull. He apparently had a lot of pull. And I mean, not only now are we looking at a guy who has bonafide GM experience, low-key. He's very similar to Dubis in the sense that there's that data-driven science type stuff. Um, and he's been part of an organization that has a culture of winning. Yeah. He probably knows what it takes. And again, from my bias, if you want to bring up a guy who has the best chance of signing Austin Matthews, maybe Austin Matthews looks at this and goes, okay, the direction's somewhat the same. I kind of feel like the roster is going to be constructed in a similar way. This guy looks like he's won before. Let's maybe, I, I think that, I think signing Tolski over Trey Living significantly boosts the chances of him staying. Yeah. And, I think Tusky's also been in this in, in an environment where they don't really have any superstars, but they have a coach who keeps them yep. playing a very, very good system that, you know, if guys get hurt, guys go down, guys aren't playing well, they still get results. Yep. And the Leafs have been, you know, rightfully, I guess, relying on their superstars to perform. But if you can get a guy who will maybe know what kind of coach you need, to be able to just be consistent and have a good structure with the Leafs, with the Leafs haven't really had. They haven't been super consistent and they haven't been, you know, the most structured team, I don't think, recently. Maybe that's also a leg up. Like, he would definitely have the logic and the knowledge to think, okay, what coach might fit this team and the players that they have? I, I, I agree. I think he's the best choice. I think he checks literally every single box that a logical GM needs to check, especially for a logical GM to come into this market at the time that they're in now with who they yeah. need to sign. He just doesn't check any of Shanahan's boxes. That's the thing. For that reason, he's not going to yeah. be the GM. Pridham, I think, would kind of check similar boxes Very in a similar. sense. Um, I mean, that would probably help maybe with some consistency for you know Matthew's sake. Um, I'm sure he's spoken to Pridham in the past. And if Pridham is willing to stay on board after, you know, his guy Dubis was kind of let go. Maybe that signals like, okay, maybe this is sort of rescuable situation. Mm -hmm. Maybe the direction or the turmoil isn't as bad as we expect it to be. I think I think Pridham staying on board would be a huge thing. I think if they hire a different GM and Pridham leaves, I would also be incredibly concerned at that point. Which will probably happen. Which will probably happen if they don't hire him. Because mm -hmm. um, like how it's it's you know I don't know if GMs usually bring in their own AGMs. I don't know how that works, but for him to probably not even be considered would feel like a slap in the face. Which it right. would be. Which it would be. Um, and so if he leaves, that's your capologist. That's a guy who does all the inner workings to make the money work, which is a huge deal here. Yep. So if the fallout of them hiring another GM is the GM not being as good as Dubis and Pridham leaving, uh, you're in an even worse off position. I have a really bad feeling this front office is going to go back to its like previous Ferguson days where yeah. it was just a mess. It was just a mess. Yeah, I hope you're wrong, but I, I do 
kind of see that really happening. Yeah, and to take a, a phrase out of your book, firing Dubis does not just happen in a vacuum, right? Like you're right, yeah. all of these guys are going to go. And we say this all the time. A lot of times GMs aren't the ones making all the decisions. A great GM is undoubtedly, it's the CEO of the organization. They're the ones who lead people, create a framework, and they lean on their specialists yeah. to help them make jobs and make roles. And if all your specialists leaves, good luck bringing Trey Living in here. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be a mess. I think Tulski's the guy. I think if Tulski's not the guy, I like Pridham. He's very similar. He has that least experience. And like you said, mm-hmm. cap circumvention in today's day is legal cap circumvention is the, I think the most important asset of a GM. We see yeah. every single big Stanley cup contender doing this. Boston was unbelievably over the cap. Vegas has been doing it. Tampa. For years. Tampa has been doing it for years. We did it this year Vegas. as well. Vegas. Yeah. Vegas has been doing it since their inception. And what, yeah. what was it? 2018 or whatever yeah. it was. Regardless, you need a guy to be able to do that. Um, you're not only going to lose your GM here, you're going to lose the brains behind the operations. And Absolutely. yeah, this was the, in a year, this is going to come out to be probably one of the worst decisions Shanahan has made in his tenure. Let's hope you're wrong. But if things go the way they seem to be going, like we could both see it going that way. Yep. Um, but I think Elliot, Elliot Freeman also mentioned that you know you, may, you might see names coming out of the woodwork, like names you wouldn't normally consider for just any GM job opening. But because of the Leafs, because presumably you can get paid a lot because you have resources to build sort of a framework for an organization that you might not have otherwise mm-hmm. like maybe you do see really good gms come out of the woodwork and present themselves as options i'm thinking like a doug armstrong who built a pretty good team in st louis and seems to be retooling them effectively um i mean the guy that eric tulsi works under don waddell notoriously underpaid by the by the owner there yep. in, in carolina is he an option i would love to have him aren't these guys under contract though they are but i think I think there are ways around. I think when I think Luke, when Luke came here, he was under contract. Oh, so right. I think I think there are ways around. They probably they probably just have to, you know, rescind their contract with their team and then, okay. you know, take one with the Leafs. So I, I wonder if there are going to be some of those kinds of names. But based on what we know is available and is a reasonable option, if it's Trey Living, we're in trouble. In big trouble. Yeah. Um, do you want to end this conversation with something I think would be really fun? A Dubis would you rather? Oh, we okay. usually do player would you rather's. Sure. But this isn't going to be only players who, sorry, GMs who um, are potential replacements. I'm just picking some of those and also GMs who are just objectively good. I want to see where you where Duba stands in your opinion. Sure. Okay. So let's just start with the easy one here. Dubis or Trey Living? I'll take myself over Brad Trey Living. Okay. Bad. It has, like, like I said, not able to get past the second round in nine years. Dubis was faulted for that lost badly on the superstar trade we're probably gonna need a guy who can trade a superstar pretty soon worst worst choice out of all of them you're gonna name me okay next is uh dubis or steve eiserman see this is a tough one because steve eiserman laid a great foundation in mm-hmm. detroit a great one it hasn't panned out the way people have thought it was but then again he can't play for them development is still happening cider looks like he's becoming a top 10 defenseman in the nhl I'm, I'm okay with either of them i think eiserman is a more finished product of dubis so i'll go steve eiserman sure what about the guy who took over for Eiserman in Tampa, Julian Brisebois? Again, I mean, I think Julian Brisebois is given a lot of credit because his team has done better. I don't think he's done a phenomenal job as a GM. Okay. Overpaid on Hagel. Hagel is not worth all of that money. I know uh, the low cap hit was a big consideration. The Tanner Janot trade was probably the worst trade I've ever seen. Obviously, that was affected by injuries. We'll never know how good he would have been if he was healthy. Regardless, I don't think he's been phenomenal as a GM. He's just been bailed out by Kucherov and Stamkos. Okay. I'll go Dubis. Dubis. Um, now, Dubis or a Doug Armstrong in St. Louis? It's St. Louis has been a sneaky good team for a very long time. They won that cup in 2019 under him. They've been to the playoffs a lot of time under him. They've drafted well. I mean, Cairo and Thomas look like they're, they're mm-hmm. bona fide stars. Again, I don't think you could go wrong with either of them. I just think Dubis's draft history, his ability to construct the Stanley Cup roster, even though he didn't win one and Doug Armstrong did, yeah. I'll take Kyle Dubis. Okay. And then next out of Boston, you want Dubis or Don Sweeney? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Don Sweeney, you know what? Got Pasternak under a fair contract. They built a pretty good team this year. That team's been good for a while. It's built with culture and grit. Mm-hmm. That's tough. I'll take Don Sweeney. Okay. I think you have to. And then lastly, just because they're on everyone's mind, the Florida Panthers GM, Bill Zito, you taking him over Dubis? No, give me a break. Bill Zito has been bailed out by <laughs> Kachuk being the best right winger in the NHL. And Bob. Yeah, give me a break. Now, that team shouldn't even be in the playoffs. We'll talk about it soon. They had to win, what, six in a row to get in, and now Bobrovsky's playing like Dominic Hasek. 
That's not Bill Zito's credit. It's it's on Bobrovsky. Give me okay. Dubis. All right. All right. That's a good would you rather. I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, I thought there's not like there's only so many players playing now. So let's yeah. just uh, spice it up a little bit. That's fair. Um, we talked about Bill Zito, talked about the Panthers. Let's just get into this freaking team and how they're going to make the Stanley Cup finals. They're up 2 nothing now after winning again <laughs> in overtime yesterday. Yeah. After winning in the fourth overtime last time. Um, this just seems like a team destined for something crazy. Man, I hate. Fl- I think Florida. Florida has gone from one of the most irrelevant teams in the NHL for me, and I think for most you know fans, I think they're becoming my my one. They're in my top five most hated teams. Oh yeah, and they're. I think they're top four. Can you guess the three before them? You should get two. One of them, I don't know. I mean, Boston, Boston's Montreal, Montreal's two, Arizona. No, don't give a crap. They're, irrele- they're not relevant enough to hate. Who else do you hate? Big market build oh, up. Oh, New York Islanders, yeah. the, Rangers, the, the Rangers. Okay, yeah, I hate the New York Rangers. And now Florida's getting in there as well. They're getting in there because just all the stuff Kachuk says it pisses me off because it's true, but it stings. Yeah. But like, I don't think anybody's calling saying we want Florida anymore. He was pretty bad in the series against us. Like he was mediocre, phenomenal in series one. I'll give him that. Phenomenal in the Eastern Conference Finals again against us was kind of eh, he was mid. But you know when you when you play the way you did in round one and you win a series, you can talk the talk. Yeah, and then yeah, it was the Sam Reinhardt and the Sam Bennett show against the Leafs, right? They were the guys leading the way for them, uh-huh. and they're just winning games the way they have all playoffs. Like they got outplayed on paper in games one and two. Mm-hmm. I think the Carolina outshot them twenty to four in the first period of game two, and they only came away with one goal, mm-hmm. um, and they had a second goal. Um, disallowed so it could have been two nothing but it stayed one nothing that's just the way that they've been able to you know they're getting shelled you only let in one goal all it takes is something to go the other way um, and that's what they do they deserve to win a meter again as you would expect for every florida panthers game that they win was 70 percent or so for the canes like the canes are playing good hockey just like the leafs played good hockey in the first two games weren't able to get a win at home same situation and now the canes are going to florida and they need to win at least one, but realistically, they need to win both games. Um, do you see the do you see the Canes coming back? Do you have more faith in the Canes than you did in the Leafs? I have more faith in anybody coming down to nothing than okay. the Toronto Maple Leafs and and Carolina. The Carolina Hurricanes have shown you know they have not to be not not to speak in generalities, but they have shown time and time again backs up against the wall. They're the best team in the NHL. Mm-hmm. They they play with grit. Obviously. They give up a small amount of goals per game. And when Bobrovsky's playing like Bobrovsky is right now, you're, you're going to have to give up one or two goals a game in order to beat him. Yeah. Um, with that being said, the prospects for any team, I don't care how good you are. If you're the Boston Bruins losing two at home and going back, I have never seen a team do it. This year was the first time I saw, lo and behold, the New Jersey Devils do it against the New York Rangers. It has happened. It happened in this in this year. I think it could happen again. I don't think it will. Um but if there's a team to do it, it's it's Rob Brindamore and the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. And and again, we'll talk about it. In games one and two, this is showing very similar shades of the Leafs versus mm-hmm. Florida, where Carolina statistically and on the eye test looks like they should be winning every game by five. Um, but then something happens. And, you know, you spoke about it well last episode. This might just be the way Florida plays. That's that's their brand. Yeah. It's and frustrating. What pisses me off is they've won eight of their last nine, Florida, seven of which were on the road in incredibly hard buildings. Mm-hmm. Think about this. Three against Boston. Yeah. Both of them, two of them, two of those wins were in TD Gardens. They won four against Toronto. Three of them were in Scotiabank. And they won two in Carolina, both in the Bank of America Stadium. Do you want to know the best home records in the NHL this year? Please tell me it was those three. First, Boston. Second, Tampa. Third, Toronto, four, Carolina. Wow. They've won eight of their last nine in the That's three, impressive. Of the, three of the four hardest buildings. I guess it doesn't matter how you win as long as you win. Right? How, how crazy is that? They were they were at a point where I think they needed to win six of seven, and they needed the Pittsburgh Penguins to lose one mm, of two games yeah, against yeah. Chicago or Columbus. Miraculously, it's, that happens. It's crazy the way that, that narratives kind of switch in the playoffs. Little The margins are so slim. Something goes your way. Something goes against you. It changes the way you're looked at across the league. Like, like we could have been talking about Paul Maurice potentially getting fired for not being able to bring the President's Trophy winning team from last year to the playoffs. And now we're probably talking, we're going to be talking about him at the end of this, probably not correctly as one of the best coaches in the league because he's because he's really not, in my opinion. I've mm-hmm. said that multiple times on this show and I'll continue to say that because the stats suggest that he's not. The stats today suggest that he's getting bailed out by one of the best goalie performances we've ever seen in the playoffs. Ever. And I saw this on um, 
on Twitter this morning. So the, he has the most goals save above expected over a seven-game stretch in the playoffs of all. <laughs> Oh, sorry, regular season or playoffs of all time since they started collecting that stat of all time. <laughs> of course. He has, I think it's, let me just zoom in on this for a second. I think it's like 18.5 goals save above, saved above expected um, over the last seven games. Of course. Right? Like, he is playing out of his mind. And to think that he wasn't even starting for them on their stretch in last stretch in the regular season or starting for them in the beginning of the playoffs... It's just remarkable the way he's managed to pull this performance out of a hat and single-handedly almost take this team to the Stanley Cup Finals. It's remarkable. Yeah, and what's funny, I, I, I zoned out for a bit. I know you said since that stat was taken, but I'm pretty sure against the Leafs, he had the, what, what did we say, he had the two? He had his two best games as a Florida Panther ever. Of course. Yeah. Of course. He's going to start finally making that 10, earning that 10 million when it matters most. He was beat out by Alex Lyon for the first yeah. five, six games. And you know what? Honestly, you know, not to be like poetic or dramatic, but there was a spot. I think they were down 3-1 or 3-2. Brad Marchand had a breakaway with like five seconds left in that game. Bobrovsky makes that stone cold save. If that goes in, all of this is gone. Yeah. All of this is gone. The margins. Yeah. That's it. But I guess you can say that about pretty much anything. Um, I don't know if I have Carolina winning this series. You know, they got Teravainen back. They finally have some scoring. Aho's playing the best hockey that he can because, like, quite frankly, he needs to. There's nobody else on on that team. Freddie Anderson looks like an you know he looks like he's playing he played well. well, but but they actually I don't know why they put Ranta in the I, game too. Why? Like I, I feel like you have to had to have consulted Freddie on that. Okay, he has a known injury history. Maybe, maybe that you know they played seven periods of hockey and yeah. then true. two days later had to play again. Maybe you I know, know he felt like he wasn't right, or maybe he was tired. Or maybe Rod Brindamore was like, mm, this guy's got a reputation for having some crappy games in the playoffs. Maybe let's not risk it. Yeah. I don't think either of those goals were Ranta's fault, though. One was that disgusting move by Barkov. We faked it between the legs <laughs> and then went backhand. Like, that was to do that in yeah. the Eastern Conference Finals. Is Very quickly. Next the, level. The, the guts that you need to yeah. do that down 1 nothing then. Down 1 nothing. Wow. And then the second goal for the overtime, would, it was just an incredible passing play. Like, yep. tic tac toe on the power play. See you later. Like yeah. they, they literally left the ice after that. Um, so I don't know if they, that goaltending decision was the be all end all, but you know, maybe Bob makes one of those saves for sure. No, you're, um, you're right. I, I didn't, I couldn't because Fred, Freddie was playing well. I didn't yeah. understand why they went to Ranta for sure because he played two games in one. Yeah, two games. That, it's that's they were so 10 seconds away from going to a fifth overtime. <laughs> that would, I think, if they went to a fifth overtime and played like five minutes, would have been the fifth longest game in NHL history. Yeah, it was, it ended up obviously being the sixth. Yeah, so I mean. I, uh, I have that's a question nuts. for you. I think TikTok is going to get a kick out of this. So oh no pressure. If the Florida Panthers some way, somehow decide to win the Stanley Cup, who's your Conn Smythe winner? Is it Sergei Bobrovsky right now, 8-2-0, 12 games, goals against average of 232, save percentage of 931? Or is it Matthew Kachuk? He's got seven goals, 11 assists, a plus minus of 12 of 12 in 14 games in the playoffs, back-to-back game winners in the Eastern Conference Finals in the overtime, like we said. Franchise record for most playoff points in a single run for the Panthers. Obviously, look at it into the future as well. Who yeah. do you think will finish off strong? Who's your guy? I think if you want to base it purely off of clutch moments, Matthew Kachuk comes to mind. But over the period of the playoffs, the way that Bobrovsky has played, the stat that I just read off, the highest seven-game stretch save above expected ever in playoffs or regular season, I just don't think that this team would be anywhere close to this if Bobrovsky wasn't playing like Dominic Hasek reincarnated, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. I just don't know how you don't give it to him. But in order to win a cup, you, you can't just have a good goalie because we saw J.S. Shiger won the Consumite few like a while back and he lost in the Stanley Cup Finals and he had a, a crazy performance. You need guys up front who are going to score goals for you like Matthew Kachuk has. But I think you got to give it to the literally the best goalie performance we've ever seen in the playoffs, potentially. I think you have to give it to him, and I think he'll win if they go on to win the Cup, assuming he doesn't turn into a pumpkin tomorrow. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I agree. I would I would marginally give it to Bob. Me too. Speak. Well, on Kachuk, I have another would-you-rather. Okay. Do you want it? Yeah, I do, because I got one more would-you-rather for you after as well. Okay. Matthew Kachuk, would-you-rather? Would you give we, me Matthew Kachuk we, over everybody. We did a Matthew Kachuk would-you-rather when he was all-star MVP. Yeah. Um, but I've upped the ante with the players I'm comparing him to. Sure. Am right? I am I taking positional value into play or just skill? I just I just want who would you want? Just sure. don't think about it that much. Sure. Starting with 
Matthew Kachuk or Nikita Kucherov? Matthew Kachuk. I, really? said, I said it and at the All-Star game. Matthew Kachuk is a better player than Nikita Kucherov. Both ends of the ice is better. He's better offensively right now. Stays healthier, grittier. Matthew Kachuk. Okay. Matthew Kachuk or new 50-goal scorer Miko Rantanen? Uh, Miko Rantanen is quite possibly the most underrated 50-goal scorer of yep. all time. He's a, he's a force. He's big. He's a great passer. I'm going to take Miko Rantanen. Okay. Yeah. Matthew Kachuk or David Pasternak? Nah, Matthew Kachuk. Really? I know David Pasternak can score. He's a 60-goal scorer. Like You pay for scoring goals. Matthew Kachuk is just great at both ends of the ice. He shows that okay. he's got shades of Pasternak, too, with the grit, and I think he's only going to get better. Okay. This one, I'm going for a centerman. Matthew, I'm going to see how, how much you really like Matthew Kachuk with this one. Sure. Matthew Kachuk or Nate McKinnon? That's tough. I think you got to go Nathan McKinnon. Nate. Matt, Matthew Kachuk has shown that, you know, playoff playoff Matthew Kachuk is a force. But I don't, I, I'm going to stay true to this. I don't think there is a better playoff performer past Connor McDavid than Nathan McKinnon mm-hmm. right now. What he did wow. last year, remember that goal that we talked about that he scored against yeah, St. Louis? St. Louis. Like, He's an animal. When he when he's on that chickpea diet, he wants it more than anybody. <laughs> All right, this one's Leafs Nation. Cover your ears. Matthew Kachuk or Mitch Marner? Uh, Matthew Kachuk. Come on. You have Matthew Kachuk. Also puts he's put up a hundred points twice yeah. now. Matt, Mitch Marner never has. Mitch Marner's nominated for a Selkie, but Kachuk got some off Selkie votes as well. Just as good as a passer, better play driver, stronger, better in the playoffs. You have to go Matthew okay. Kachuk. And I love Mitch Marner, but Matthew Kachuk. All right, and this one again, it's, it's a litmus test for how much you love this guy. Litmus test. Matthew Kachuk or Leon Draisaitl? Leon Draisaitl. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that's okay, close. So you, so you have Matthew Kachuk like in the top seven, but not at that upper echelon of like S tier superstars. Yes, he okay. is just under the S tier. Okay. I think he's the next player under the S tier. So he's like fifth, fourth yeah. or fifth on your list. Yes. Okay. Thank, thank you for not giving me Austin Matthews. I would have had to think about that one. No, I maybe I should have actually yeah. now that I think about it. But I didn't want to do that because I, I thought it would just be it would you would default to Matthews here in this house. In this house, you default to Matthews. That's fair. Okay, you, you you wanna you wanna would you rather now? Sure. I'll give you one more. This one I think is kind of fun because we're gonna look at Prime Bobrovsky. We're not looking at Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky like this right version now of him. in the playoffs. This version wow. of him. Would you rather take him or these notable playoff performances? Am I taking these guys in their prime too, like in their peak? I'll give you I'll give you when you take them. Okay. Okay, so number one, prime twenty twenty three Bobrovsky right now, or prime Andre Vasilevsky when they went on those cup runs. Oh God! Give me Prime Vazzy because he just got shutouts in elimination games and he's won two cups and went to th- went to four finals. Give me him. That's a good pick. Okay, um, Sergey Bobrovsky now or Bubble Carey Price? <laughs> <laughs> man, Carey Price is my favorite player growing up, so this is a tough one. But oh man, Bubble Carey Price was incredible. I just feel like this stretch, the stats suggest that Bob has been literally the best goalie ever for these seven games. I, I have to lean towards Bobrovsky in this case. That's that's a hot take, and nobody clown him. He's not saying Bobrovsky overall price, yes. just those stretches. But in those two periods, how do you? it's hard to go against Bobrovsky. That's fair. Okay, Bobrovsky right now or last year's Shesterkin? Oh, am I getting regular season Shesterkin? Regular season Shesterkin. Oh, my God. That was literally the best regular season performance, performance we've seen in decades. Yep. Because he did it for 82 games and not, you know, 12, mm-hmm. I want Igor because he showed me he can do it for a long period of time. You never know if Bob can turn into a pumpkin next week. He has that in him. He has that in him. <laughs> What's with this pumpkin reference? I'm I don't know. I just hear it sometimes. <laughs> I just like to say it. Okay. You alluded to this 10 seconds ago, so you're already primed for this. Um, 2023 Bobrovsky or 2003 Consmite winner Jay Shigir? Jay Shigir. Jiggy. Oh, man. The Leafs bias is coming through here, to be honest. Honestly, I don't remember that run enough. I just remember that he was incredible and still won the Conn Smythe. It's so rare to win the Conn Smythe mm-hmm. and not have won the Stanley Cup. So for the heritage for that, I'll go Jaguar. Plus, he was a Leaf. Plus, his name is Jiggy. Like, how do you go against that? <laughs> okay, last one. Sergey Bobrovsky right now or the mid-2000s three-time Cup winner, sorry, two-time Cup winner, Jonathan Quick? Oh, man, I think they're actually very similar because they can both be terrible in the regular season and then turn into gods in yeah. the playoffs. Yeah. Something about the way that Jonathan Cook played like was one of the funnest things to watch. But just because Bob, I think I think this this Florida Panthers team gets outplayed way more than those LA Kings teams did. So Bob's making more saves and more incredible saves. I'm gonna go with him. That's fair. That's fair. That was a good one. It's kind of crazy how 
Sergei Bobrovsky is putting himself in these names with this performance. It's 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 a historical. What is it? Fifteen game stretch that he's been putting he's, through. And if they keep going, it, it'll be looked at as one of the best playoff runs of all time. Very if true. they can go all the way, even if they don't go all the way, that Shigir run is still brought up all the time, like we just did, rightfully so. So yeah. even if they make it to the finals and he, they lose in six or seven, it's still going to be one of the best. Insane. And all these stats honestly show how much he's bailing this team out. Like, look, in game one, the deserve to win Omita for the Carolina Hurricanes was 71%. In game two, it was 77%. In game one, expected goals, Carolina, six and a half, Florida, 4.41. Game two, expected goals for Florida, 2.85, Carolina, 4.5. Bob is stealing the show. And I wish I could show all of our listeners right now these high danger, like, chances. Like, mm-hmm. it is full. Like, you can't even see the ice. You can't even see the crease. Yeah, in the, in the Florida crease. And he's just, he's finding a way to do it. And we talk about this time and time again. Your best player, your best penalty killer, your best playoff performer has to be the goalie. If you don't have a great goalie, you're not winning a cup. And yeah. it doesn't have to be a big name. It just has exactly. to be a guy that gets hot. We're just going to take a brief intermission here to shout out the sponsor of today's episode, Manabo Town. Located in North York, Ontario, Manabo Town is ready to support you with all of your pregame luxury wear. Ranging from sharp suits to sleek shirts and pristine ties, Manabo Town is here to elevate your game to the next level. Visit Manabo Town today or find them on Instagram at manabotown265 to learn more about how they can assist you. This is segueing me perfectly into Vegas. Yeah. Because, and let's just go there now. Vegas won game one in overtime. Brett Howden scored the winner. Yep. Um, kind of a crazy goal. Bounce off of, of they, he kind of banked it off of Ottinger's leg. Um, but Vegas is they're showing that if you can just get a guy who can get you stops in the playoffs they don't have to be a household name and it helps when you can play really good defense around them so they're not making you know 10 bell saves every time we're talking Aiden Hill right yeah he's got a record of 4-0-0 in six games goals against of 2-3-4 and a save percentage of 9-31 that's like he was probably going into the season if everyone's healthy you have Leonard you have Thompson you have Brassois you have Hill he's probably your fourth on the depth chart for sure right and and now he's winning games in the the Western Conference Finals and he did that coming into game five cold when Brassois looked like he tore his growing he did Mm -hmm. that in game six that was that was in Vegas but still against game six was in uh, Edmonton yeah, yeah he Ed- stole that. He stole that series in Edmonton with, with Edmonton's backs against the wall at home. I forgot Edmonton didn't win the Pacific. Yeah. Maybe that's what made me take that bet and had to wear that gross shirt last episode. Picnic table, baby. <laughs> I got a lot of comments about that at school. A lot of people like that reference Did about they? the picnic table. There we go. But yeah, like yeah, you're right. It just goes to show you. You get a goalie that catches fire. I mean, at the right yeah. time, you give him some confidence. And I think like Vegas deserves a ton of credit. I don't think Florida deserves credit for Bob's performance. I think he's just playing out of his mind. Yeah. But I was thinking, like, they're getting... And it doesn't matter who plays. Like, when Logan Thompson was in the regular season, he was very good. Um, when Bersois came in the playoffs before getting hurt, he was really good. Aiden Hill now is incredible. I think it just goes to show how good the Knights are. I was thinking there's got to be something about the way this team plays defense where all these guys are good. Mm-hmm. And then I, I went on Money Puck and I found, like, honestly, I, I was shocked at this stat. So the Knights have played 12 playoff games so far. All the teams, all 16 teams that played in the playoffs this season, they have the third least high danger chances against. And every other team in the top 10 left lost in the first round. Really? So they've given up. They gave up less high danger chances in total than over half the teams that got eliminated in the first round. Like, they just don't give up high danger chances. And when your goalie can save pucks, period... If they're saving lower danger chances, they're going to be making those stops. They're going to be making those stops. Of, of course, we said. I think we said this a bunch of times. I think statistically, they have the the heaviest and the biggest defensive yeah. core. That means it's hard to penetrate. It's hard to get on the inside. That's a lot of low danger chances from the outside. Whether it beefs up the save percentage, still got to make the saves. And that's, that's what I'm Vegas saying. Hockey. Though, if you're putting your goalie in a position where it doesn't have to make ten bell saves every yeah. other shift, like the Florida Panthers do to Bob, you're going to get the saves you need, and you're going to more than likely win games because of that. And yep. I think Cassidy mentioned it too in one of his press conferences. Like, they're they're a team that admittedly relies on their strong defense because it works. They win games. Yeah, they don't they don't have that superstar offensive firepower. Yeah. Like they have, if we said Matthew Kachuk was one under the S tier, Stone and Eichel are probably one under the tier that Matthew Kachuk are in. Yeah, they're very good players, but they're not necessarily game breakers. Yeah, I think NHL. I think they released a graphic saying Jack Eichel is a bank a blank player. Excuse me, in the NHL, what would you say? Top thirty. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's top 20. Maybe top 25 on a good day, but... Yeah, he is a first-line center, undoubtedly. On most teams. On most teams, but I don't think he's a top... You could probably name 10 better centers than him. Yeah, for, for sure. And I love Jack Eichel. Yeah. I mean, in his prime, he was a Selkie caliber. He was unbelievable. But, you know, Jack Eichel with a few C-spine isn't as good yeah. as a health. Like, it, it just is what it is. And for for a team to be up one nothing in the Western Conference Finals without a S-tier superstar type player and an S-tier type goalie speaks to the system. It speaks to the defensive course. Yeah. speaks to the coach. And they're, they're like... Kane's they're Kane's West yeah. like they're like by committee they have a couple of incredibly good players no superstars and they just get it done they're really well coached yep. if if they meet up in the finals somehow it's going to be like potentially the most boring Stanley Cup finals because it's going to be like take the under every game yeah it's just going to be like device. dump and chase battles in the corner and like a couple of greasy backdoor goals like all all seven games are going to be like that um, but what the stars I mean I think they played relatively well in that first game they got lost in overtime so obviously it was close but i think if the stars are going to be able to get through this really tough defense honestly i think they need more to j-rob he needs to wake up for he's sure. he's at a I, I was surprised that see that he was at a point per game he's got 14 points in 14 games but three of them are goals because rupe Hintz is finishing yeah. everything he hasn't scored a goal in eight games he finally scored in game one we mm-hmm. see the way that he scored it was a it was a tip in from a beautiful rupe Hintz pass and when, yeah. when he scored that j-rob looked to this guy like a 10,000 pound weight was off his shoulders. You're right. Like he's he's did he score 50 this year? He was close. I think he might have. Yeah, I mean they they you when you have a 50 or 45 goal score, you need him to score every other game in the playoffs to win. You just have to and that's why the Leafs are currently golfing in Florida right now. Exactly. Yeah, they need a little more out of him. I mean the fact that they, you know, they're obviously a really really good team and they have Ottinger and they have incredible defense. I mean like this is this is not going to be a short series, I don't think. I think it could go 6 or 7. 7. Um, but if he's able to wake up, obviously that improves their chances exponentially. Yeah, um, but the biggest problem with Dallas is like they defensively, they're also just not great. Like Heiskanen gets twenty seven. I think he's leading the NHL in ice time for defense. Yeah, I think he did during the during regular season for too. two. Not yeah. yeah, not even for defensemen. Sorry, for players. He's like average twenty seven, twenty eight. Like Probably if, he's so good because they have no one else. They have Suter, Hawk, and Paul. Like these guys aren't terrible, but yeah, they're not. Lindell's like, good, but they're not like they're not stud guys. But yeah. when you got Heiskanen playing half the game, I mean. Not bad. When he's on the ice, I'm sure that they're dominating those minutes. Yeah, they're good. Um, but yeah, I mean, game two goes tonight, so we can't really say a ton. This is going to come out after that, but yeah. wouldn't be shocked if Dallas is able to tie it up and then we've got a series again. So. I think Vegas goes up 2 nothing. Really, I do. Really? Yeah, and then I'll think... They're I in think, Vegas, right? I'll so. take Dallas to win both at home as well. They'll hold serve, I think. And then I think it goes 7. I think, I think Vegas comes out on top just because they showed that they could beat the best offensive team in the league. So yeah. if they can do that, they, I think they can beat anybody with a strong offense. Um, but yeah, I think they come. I think they come out on top overall. Maybe they win tonight, like you said. Where are all the uh, the Jack Eichel haters in the offseason saying that he'd never win a playoff round? He would never make yeah. the playoffs. He's been pretty good in this playoffs. He's I been think good. He's been good. I looked at the Consmy standings. I think he's the favorite to win the Consmy right now. If, Obviously, if not, they win, because that takes into account. Okay. Know, I don't think anyone's expecting Florida to win that series. Uh, okay. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all of those Jack Eichel haters. I wonder what it feels like to be in Buffalo right now. Would Probably it? still wearing a parka, having to see Jack Eichel play. <laughs> Would like and this is not to discredit Jack Eichel, just pop into my head. Like, would he be one of the more underwhelming Smith winners recently? For sure, because like that's just a team that does it by committee. So if you're the best player on a team like that, like, granted, you deserve it. Yeah, I'd probably be the most but, underwhelming one since Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, but hey, they could easily win the cup, and then who cares if it's underwhelming? You won the cup, like be, they can kiss their ass. Honestly, so. good, good for him. He hasn't been to the yes. playoffs in what nine years? First time ever. Ever make a deep run. Give him a Stanley Cup berth. I think this is Vegas's cup to lose. And it look, is. I, I will agree. say. I will say. I was. We had our hot takes at the beginning of the year. I was dead wrong on Pittsburgh. I thought Pittsburgh was an Eastern Conference final team. Thought they would be great, but I did say You're, Vegas was going to be a Western Conference final team, and everyone laughed at me because they're. I was skeptical. I got lucky that that you know Logan Thompson decided to play Vesna yeah. Cal- not that sorry Calder caliber. But like, but still, you also said that Bruce Cassidy coming in was a huge thing. That was a big part of your rationale for that take so i mean and you're 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 out here looking like look the smarter one after all we haven't heard any problems in that dressing room has been very no. silent you yeah, know i mean there probably is but cassidy's doing a good job but it could be like something that bubbles like that could be a long like bruce cassidy was in boston for a long time yeah. right so in the first two to three years you're probably not having super like a, a bunch of difficulties like That's it's fair. probably years like four five six if that happens so right now if your goal is to win a cup 
You get the best guy available, and he was absolutely the best guy available. That's why I wanted the Leafs to fire Keith last year. I thought Keith deserved the job last year. I wanted yeah. them to fire him because Cassidy was available. I mean, your job as a manager is to do whatever. If you have an option to make the team better, you do that. Yep. It just would have been a tougher look after the success that they had, and if, especially if the Leafs weren't able to you know, perform this offseason, it would have looked like a really sketchy decision. But looking back, I mean, it might have been the best one. So either way. Let's um wrap up the show by talking about Vegas is kind of next door neighbors. They will not be the neighbors for long. Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> that's, um, that's that's savage. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? <laughs> did you see what the Arizona admin did on Twitter about uh, posting their new arena plans? Did you see that tweet? Which one? They're like, if we get twenty thousand likes in the next twenty four hours, we'll we'll release our new arena plans. And they got twenty thousand likes in like ten minutes, and then proceeded to tweet a link of the Rick Astley Rickroll. <laughs> If that organization couldn't get bad enough already, yeah. What else are you gonna do? I mean, I guess you gotta you gotta make fun of yourself that's, sometimes. That's fair. And then I saw I saw they tweeted a poll, and they were like, "Where do you want our next arena yeah, to be?" And it was like Scottsdale and a Tempe. It was one of the options, funnily enough. Sad. And then like another sad another Arizona city. Um, but the update on them, if you haven't already heard, is that the city of Tempe voted against their proposed entertainment district that was going to involve. You know, commercial real estate, housing, business development, casino, and the rink. Um, not very many voters turned out because they had, they have like referendums very often in Arizona. The way their politics works, whatever. Um, and apparently, the voter pool was old and not abundant. And the, all the old people were like, "I'm not going to be alive for this thing to happen. <laughs> Why would I waste their tax money on it?" I mean, fair enough. If you go out to vote, you get what you want. Um, this just this just makes it was already a pretty terrible situation into a com- complete mess. It's a like, joke. The only reason going to Mullet Arena was even palatable for other owners, for other fans, and for the players was that it was made with this sort of kind of promise that they'd move to Tempe and build this huge complex and really, you know, set this set the stage for a bright future for the organization. And now all that's gone. Like you're not coming back to Tempe. Like I think that that's completely off the table. So I don't know what the heck's going to happen, but I feel like it's an, uh, inevitable that relocation is coming. Oh, 100%. Or do you think Gary is going to die on this hill? I think he's died enough on this hill. Okay. Like it, it, this relocation should have happened three years ago. They shouldn't have been allowed to go to a college arena. And like you said, if they were, the, there, there should have already been a passing bill in place that that Tempe, it should have before, been voted on before they yeah, went yeah. there. And the fact that it wasn't kind of just seemed like they were drowning. Like this, this thing was, it, it was dead before they moved to mullet. Um, never really understood the move to Arizona in, in the first place, considering it's a very small market. Like, fine, you can say, we want to try to grow the game. Why don't you grow the game in a market that's already big? I mean, I think that's the one argument that stands to test a little bit like you get Tage Thompson and there's you don't get a, I don't think you get Austin Matthews or Tage Thompson without the Coyotes but you don't think there's a Tage Thompson in, hidden in air in Houston somewhere maybe like there probably is yeah. right? Texas is massive yeah and like speaking of Texas like Houston and Austin are two names that you've heard a lot Atlanta Quebec City and then like kind of out of the out of nowhere I've heard a lot about Salt Lake City and Utah being a team that could be like the actual the most likely destination because their owner there I think the owner of the Jazz has interest in owning an NHL team. He's expressed that in the past. I think they have the arena. Um, it's like a kind of a mid-sized market. I think they're like Michael Barner made a video of this. I don't just have the population of Utah on the top of my head at all times. You I think, don't? No. I think it's like 1.2 to 1.4 million people in like their greater metropolitan area. It's not terrible. It's not terrible. Not massive either. Um, but if they, I feel like if you can support a basketball team, maybe you can support a hockey team, even though hockey is incredibly niche compared to basketball. But... They had success there as a basketball franchise, so you never know. We'll see. I don't know. Um, either way, this is kind of a pretty tragic situation for the Arizona for the Arizona Coyotes to be in. Um, I think the NHL probably took it for granted that there were people who would have interests other than their own. Like you think, okay, you're a six billion dollar corporation. You're the NHL. You're a top four, supposedly a top four league in North America. You could probably think you can pull some weight, but. At the end of the day, if the 65-year-old pluses in Arizona don't want to spend their tax money on you, well, you're going to be in a, in a tough spot. I wouldn't either. Team's been crappy for so long yeah. too. Like, and who like who like who? Granted, who cares about the Arizona Coyotes in the city that they've never played in, and they have like no real attachment to, right? I agree. I, I agree. So that's a tough one. Um, 
kind of ending on a bummer unless you had anything else to say maybe we'll end off we'll see we'll s- the next episode will be in two weeks presumably the stanley cup final will be starting then yeah give me really quickly we didn't do this Ooh, who okay. wins each series and how many games and right now we are one nothing vegas and we are two nothing florida okay i think that vegas wins i think in seven i think Dallas is going to give them a real strong arm for their money but i just think they're going to come through because of everything we talked about up until now um and then just because it's a fairy tale franchise um, fairy tale run, not fairy tale franchise. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think the uh, I think the Panthers will win. I think they win in six because I think this Carolina team is a little more resilient than the Leafs. I think they'll be able to kind of maybe sneak two wins away. But going down to nothing, going to Florida, it's tough. I think they're gonna win in six, and then who knows? I'll give my prediction for the Stanley Cup once that happens. But I think Vegas and Florida are gonna meet. I'll go Vegas in seven, Carolina in seven. Why not? Carolina in seven. If there is a team to come back against this team. There's a team to come back against this Florida Panthers team. I do think the Canes are the ones to do it. Yeah. Contingent on one thing, though. Contingent on game three and four in Florida. Kodak Black isn't there cheering on the Florida If Panthers. Kodak Black is there, they're going to they're gonna save them. 12 nothing. each I game. Mean, I mean, safe to say the Carolina Panthers <laughs> will be distracted. <laughs> safe to say. There will be some things going on. Oh, and Sebastian Ajo peers up, gets a little cross-eyed. Next thing you know, <laughs> own goal, game over. I mean, That's good, man. But yeah, no, we'll see you guys. We'll probably be, our, our next episode, we'll be previewing the Stanley Cup. We'll yeah. talk to you then. Exciting. We, the Leafs will still be out. Hopefully, there'll be a well, new GM. We'll see if there's an update on that. We'll probably have some more to talk about there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, see you in a few weeks. Hopefully, Stanley Cup starting by then. Yeah, see you soon. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Upon Further Review Podcast. We'll see you all next week.